away, suffer pain, and do a job that you're not particularly good at when you can hire someone to do that job and they'll do a better job at it. Hello and welcome back to Indie Bites, the podcast where I bring you stories of fellow indie hackers in 15 minutes or less. Today I'm joined by Alex McCaw, who is the founder of Reflect, a note-taking app which is grown to 20k MRR with a team of four. Previously, he was co-founder of Clearbit, a VC-backed company that he scaled to 50 million in revenue. After stepping down as CEO of Clearbit, he decided to focus on the stuff that he enjoys. So he's sailing around the world, building an app that gets him excited every day. Before we get into this chat, a quick note about today's sponsor, Ahrefs. More and more, I'm finding founders that are investing in SEO and reaping the rewards. My friend Charlie, founder of Ramen Club, literally sits on Ahrefs for hours finding new, low-difficulty, high-volume keywords to rank for. And so if you're looking for marketing channel to help generate traffic to your website, Ahrefs is a fantastic starting point. They've actually got a free tool called Ahrefs Webmaster Tools, which will audit your current website and show you changes that you can make to increase your search ranking immediately. To give it a go, head to hrefs.com slash A-W-T, that's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com, and tell Tim from Hrefs that I sent you. There's a link in the show notes too. Anyway, let's get into this chat with Alex McCaw, and we start off with a little bit of his background. All right, so your background, I read that you didn't get enough grades to go and do CS, so you joined Review Startup. How did this sort of shape your career and direction into entrepreneurship? I was 17 and dropped out of high school went straight into it. And also, I was quite frankly just sick of being at school. And yeah, I'm sure there's a, in in the multiverse, there's another version of Alex that took plan B. And I, and I wonder what that would have been like. But certainly not going to university does provide a lot of opportunities that you don't otherwise get. I also didn't go to university and went straight into work. And I loved it because I found the all my friends that had gone to uni for something three four years after i was three or four years ahead of them in the workforce in a job and i had built up all this experience while getting paid and it seemed confusing to me why you want to go to university unless you have like a clearly defined path that you really want and university is a necessity for it for, for creative fields for programming you can learn so much more by joining a startup definitely when it comes to programming no one learns how to program at university. They just don't teach it. If you if you go to a computer science course, you'll notice that everyone has learned to program in their free time, like hacking on various little projects. So you worked at both Twitter and Stripe after review. And as someone who didn't have a computer science degree, how did you land those roles? And why did you want to go for these big San Francisco tech companies? Yeah. Well, when I joined Stripe, it was 20 people. Twitter, I joined mainly because you know, I was trying to move to the States. And it is extremely difficult to get a visa if you don't have a degree. That is, there's actually only one visa you can get to the States that doesn't require any qualifications. And it's called the O-1 visa. But it requires mm-hmm. you to do something extraordinary. And so I was thinking to myself... Like, how do I get to the States? I haven't done anything extraordinary at all. So I decided I was going to write a book. I wrote or ended up writing a book on programming. And uh, that was enough to get me the visa and get me the job at Twitter. I didn't end up lasting at Twitter long, only six months to join Stripe, mostly because I was just so impressed by Stripe. So after Stripe, joined us 20 people. Uh, why wouldn't you just stay there? What made you start clear bit 
Oh, well, I was an idiot. <laughs> Clearly. You know, I was just too stubborn. I was young and I was maybe a little foolhardy. And I just was not good at working for other people. I'm not an employee. Alex, we, so many of us can relate. I am an awful employee. Even ever since I left my job, I like left my job not having enough income. So... I was like, right, James, you really got to figure out how to make this entrepreneurship thing work. Otherwise, you're going to be in a lot of trouble for a lot of years. Yeah, well, we're both unemployable. And thank <laughs> God we can start companies. You know, when you're at school, this is not given to you as an option. You know, people mm. are like, what do you want to be? You want to be a doctor? Do you want to be a surgeon? Do you want to be a firefighter? The, the <laughs> idea of starting your own company and kind of creating what you want to be and inventing that. It's not even given as an option on the on the table, but it's totally an option. And and I, I just think it's amazing these days that that is a lot more accepted. It's just so much easier. There's a lot more tooling around it. You've got Stripe Atlas. You can spin up LLCs really quickly. And then us unemployable people can actually have a future and have a you know fun running companies. So go on. How, how did Clearbit start? And what, was it just you or did you have co-founders? So I was in my mid-20s. I initially started with no co-founders. The, the idea was very different. It was called API Hub. And the idea was to create a hub of APIs. It was to take all these data products and add APIs to them or you know, data sources and add APIs to them. You know, I was heavily inspired by my experience with Stripe. I loved this idea of an API-first company, but I didn't want to do payments anymore. So I was like, Okay, well, I'll try data. People seem to really like that. And it just it took off. So I managed to raise some money. You know, that that was initially difficult. You know, I applied to YC twice for different companies. It turned me down twice. And the second time I was so mad that I was like, I just don't need you guys anymore. And then I raised like $3 million. And that was the start of Clearbit. Then I found the early team. I was extremely lucky to meet this group of people that eventually became my co-founders. And we created a company together that I'm really proud of. You know, it's it's now maybe eight years later, I think. Mm. And the company is 50 million revenue and a few hundred people and profitable and doing really well. So you started at Raise Your Seat. Was the 3 million your seat round? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you raised that three million, became profitable, then raised again in 2019. And then was it a year later you left as CEO? What happened there? Because I imagine for a lot of founders, it's very hard going from a founder where you've got a lot of control over a small business, you can make a lot of decisions. But as you grow to that size, it becomes a really challenging job. I guess you sort of learned to grow into it. But you left that CEO role and it's something that I don't know if a lot of CEOs could do. They're like, we're in it till we sell, we're in it till we IPO. Well, there's certainly a story in Silicon Valley that you, you veiled unless you personally ring that bell. That's not a story I subscribe to. You know, it really depends on your core motivations. It's not just a harder job. It's a different job running a 100, 200 person company than running yeah. a 10 person company. But I think you have to be really motivated to either solve a particular problem or want to be really powerful or really rich. And you have to have one of those motivations in spades because it's really painful. Being mm. a CEO of a large company sucks for a lot of people. I think maybe you'll find people out there 
that like it, it certainly you will find people out there that are more suited to it. And you know, it is it's something you're called to or not. I'm called to creation, especially at an early stage. You know, I love R and D. I love building and programming. <laughs> I love getting my hands dirty, and I and I love programming every single day. I program. You know, the best thing for me to do in the world is just do that because I do that better than almost anyone. And then someone who does the big company stuff, you know, who can come along when we're like two hundred people can do that. Yeah, yeah, they do that much better. And there's like if you take your ego out of it, then. Like it's a logical decision, you know, why or why suffer pain and do a job that you're not particularly good at when you can hire someone to do that job instead of you and they'll do a better job at it. Absolutely. Well, what you're doing right now is doing the stuff that you say is your calling. It's what you want to do. And it looks absolutely stunning right now, Alex. You are sailing around the Grenadines in a beautiful yacht. It looks wonderful out there. You're very chilled and you're building a new startup, but you're bootstrapping it this time. Talk to me about why you started Reflect. Well, to be honest with you, it was kind of therapy after leaving Clearbit. You know, I hadn't coded in years. And so I was like, can I still code? Have I still got it? And, and so I was like, okay, well, you got to be really careful which idea you pick. Because, you know, it takes in a, it's another five years of your life gone. And you want to make sure you, you, it's five years you, you spent it on something you're proud of and something that gives you energy, something you love. So I did really think about the idea and I decided I was going to build a company. I just wanted a tool, a writing tool. I love writing and, and I love programming and I love designing. And so I was like, you know what? The world needs yet another Nodes app. That's what I'm going to build. <laughs> but primarily the, the, the Nodes app is, is for me. Like, luckily, it turns out that there are people similar to me out there who like what I do and they like Reflect, which is which is what, what we built. But ultimately, if I all I've made is a, you know, really lovely, nice app and it works and I get to use it every day, that is good enough. The, the other really big learning I came away with was pick your customers. The VCs will often say, I don't know, right? Entrepreneur, market fit, yada, yada, yada. I say, don't just pick your market or what you're interested in. Like, pick your customers. So try and find a customer base that you love. Because you're going to be spending a lot of time with them. Yeah. Coming to them, collaborating with them, getting feedback. And so you got to love that. Otherwise, you're not going to build a good product. And so with Reflect, I love our nerdy customer base. Like they are my people. These, you know, no take enthusiasts. And I get to hang out with them and we got a budding community. We got a great Discord and it's so much fun. That is wonderful. You answered a few of my questions in there, which is like, why does the world need another note-taking app? But you're saying it doesn't. You're building it for Alex, not for everyone else. But by virtue, there are other more people like Alex that also want this app. And it is beautiful. It does look absolutely lovely. But it's not just an app that you've built just for you and a few others. You've grown it really nicely, bootstrapped it to 20k MRR now. You've got a team of four. How have you grown that? We are semi bootstrap for the longest time. I just used my own money to finance it. But we then raised from our community. So we raised a million dollars from our customers. And we told them, we're going to try and pay you a dividend. We are not going to sell the company. We are not going to IPO. 
our notes app. We are literally <laughs> just going to run it like a business. And as soon as we're profitable, we'll start paying you back and then some. That's the plan. Yeah, we focused on a few different things that reflect you know, good design hmm. because reflects is something that you have to really trust. When I worked at Stripe, there was a similar emphasis on design. And the reason for that is because Stripe is in the trust business and so is Reflex. So we have like a massive, massive emphasis on design and we work with some incredible designers and we make it absolutely beautiful. That's interesting, the route of funding you went through from your customers. How did you get those customers though? How were people finding out about it? People that listen to this are at a super early stage and they want to know, right, Alex, you've built this app for yourself. I want to build an app for myself, but how do I actually get people to use it? Well, you, it's difficult. In B2C especially, it's extremely difficult. Yeah. Uh, the bar is very, very high. Like, V1 of the product needs to be amazing. But luckily, there are a lot of great tools out there these days that help you make it amazing. But ultimately, your your initial customers are going to come from these one-off campaigns you do. Things like launching and then relaunching and launching new features. And then also product hunt, you know, launches. You know, you start out with these kind of one-off campaigns that are not really sustainable, but they're more just like growth hacks. And I put newsletters in that as well. So we started sponsoring newsletters and some of them worked quite well. But the problem with newsletters is it's not scalable. It, they, you saturate these newsletters really quickly. And then we thought about paid advertising. But the thing is, paid advertising is really difficult to make work in B2C these days. Because you have churn, you don't have net negative retention because you don't have expansion. And you don't have that high ACV. You know, our ACV is uh, about 120 bucks is what we cost. Yeah. So you have to get more creative. You have to get into content and seo and making free tools and seeing if there's ways of adding some virality to your app without kind of destroying the essence of your app you know for example like with reflex we've been very careful not to add a bunch of team features and turn reflect into a wiki because that's not what we're trying mm -hmm. to make but there's other features that we've added that do help with virality so we've added publishing notes to reflect so you can create once you write your notes you can publish it behind a secret url what's it like doing it while you're sailing around the world alex well it's honestly it works pretty well especially now we have starlink which is a game changer uh yeah james is laughing right now because um it hasn't been working particularly well on this on this call but <laughs> it, when i'm out at anchor it works extremely well but i love it because i get to be in nature i get to yeah be sitting on the water and watching beautiful sunsets. So it's quite a nice feeling to feel self-sufficient and free and also connected as well with through Starlink. So all in all, it's an amazing lifestyle. Good stuff. Well, it sounds like you're living the dream out here, Alex. I end every episode on three recommendations, a book, a podcast, and an indie hacker entrepreneur. The book is this book that I keep going back to. It's called Isaac Asimov's Guide to Earth and Space. It's a little out of date. I think he wrote it in the 80s. But it is the best science primer I've ever read in my life. For the podcast, I'm going to give you the OG podcast. This radio show called In Our Time. If you're interested in science, astronomy, philosophy, it's, it's all there. So 
And then an indie hacker, I would say, I love it, Adam from Tailwind. I think they made an amazing company there. And he hasn't got seduced by venture, raising venture capital, and he hasn't got seduced with acquisitions. He has just built a really beautiful product that I use every day and that improves my life. So it would have to be Adam. Alex, thank you so much for coming on this episode of Indie Bites. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Indie Bites. And don't forget to check out today's sponsor, Ahrefs, the best tool for growing your business using SEO. Now, I've done the same outro for the last few episodes, so let me try and switch it up a bit and tell you about something new. You might not know this, but I've been spending a lot of my time trying to build my own project, which is a handmade leather wallet business called Whitstable Craft Co. So if you're looking at your bulging wallet that's falling apart, you know what to do. All links, of course, are in the show notes. That's all from me today. See you next Tuesday on the next episode of Indie Bites.